Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazy. Now, uh, we're joined today by Hamid Kohan. Uh, he is the president and CEO of LegalSoft, which works to optimize firm operations and drive efficiency in law firms. And he is also the founder of Magic Law Group and has authored several books on law firm operations. Um, so first of all, thanks for being here, Hamid. I think with a with a resume like that, you're definitely the, the guy we want to hear from today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to uh, first kind of talk about um, that efficiency aspect of what you what you deal with and making sure that um, firms are operating at the up the optimal uh, level, especially with um, you know such a, a fast paced industry and everything is changing all the time, and so it's incredibly important for firms to uh, be able to streamline their processes. So um, I just want to first kind of pick your brain about kind of what are you seeing in your line of work about where firms should be getting more efficient? Absolutely. Um, typically in the legal industry, something that I came from, you know, 20 plus years of a Silicon Valley style scaling globalization of the operations <clears throat> it follows a recipe and system and you get experts to set up your processes your organizational structure your workflow processes and all of that when you bring that into the legal industry is almost non-existence because they all follow one another and it's basically they know somebody who uh, became an attorney, opened up an office, and then hired the admin, and then hired the paralegal, and hired the case manager. And they just, they think that's the system. And when they scale to a little bit bigger, the whole system comes apart because there's no workflow processes, there's no organizational chart, there's nothing like that. So then people overlapping, overstepping, uh, and basically nobody knows exactly the job descriptions and the hands off to where it goes next. So those are some of the things that I realized right from the beginning is that <clears throat> when the, when the, when the potential client comes in as a lead or as a contact or whatever, what happens? Who talks to them? To what shape or form? To what system? Where is the data entered? Where is that data goes next? And then when they get retained, who handles the retainer? Who opens the matter? Who <clears throat> who onboards the client? Uh, and that whole process is, is just been sort of non-existent into the system in the industry. And then you take that into to more complex matters, which is now there is uh, injuries that needs to be taken care of for the clients. So how do they go to the medical provider? What's the procedure? What's their obligation? Who checks to make sure they gone through the treatments and got all the treatments and they're okay now. So there is no workflow processes. So when they go to these organizations, we help them set up an infrastructure that is a scalable. So if you go from signing 10 clients a month to 100 clients a month, it is not going to sort of kill the system. It just scales it up. So instead of three of these, you are, now you have six of these and then four of those and two of these and whatever. So it just flows like that. Um, so that's the workflow infrastructure. And then 
on top of that, uh, they need to have trained, focused people with KPIs and so forth set up in the organization. And then you need to maximize the number of technologies that they're going to be used to optimize your process, do quality control in your process, and making sure that you are able to manage the law firm on a dashboard numeric basis. There is so much technologies that it is extremely helpful for a law practice from the minute they actually get a prospect client all the way to the settlements and completion of the cases. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I know that short staffing has been an issue in in recent years. And, you know, as you're talking about uh, scaling a firm and growing it and making sure the right people are there, um, what can firms do, especially smaller firms that, uh, maybe, you know, don't have all the capabilities of mid-sized sure. or larger firms, uh, what can they do? Uh, specifically to make their their lives easier exactly this has been the number one uh, uh challenge for any law practice doesn't matter actually they're a solo practitioner or their nationwide law practice they all have the same issue is shortage of uh qualified trained dedicated affordable present staff to do the the job and get the job done. It's almost like in every level, every practice time. So virtual law practice is a big thing now. Everywhere you go, every conference, every even universities now talk about it and so forth, is setting up a virtual law practice. It starts with infrastructure because if it's virtual, it needs to be extremely organized and have an infrastructure. Then Second recipe piece of the recipe is technology. You need to deploy technologies that helps you set up and operate a virtual law practice. And a third is a virtual trained staff to be deployed. <clears throat> if these three things are set up properly, you can have a truly well-running machine that is a virtual law practice. And the attorney only needs to be sort of monitoring it as an operation, as a business, with the technology and the virtual staff. I think that's uh, such a, a cool aspect to, um, you know, kind of the growth in, uh, in you know, virtual conferencing and, uh, and everything that now everybody can do everything from anywhere in the world. So that's, um, you know, I think it's a really neat capability that's come, come up in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been extremely on the on the optic, and um, a lot of education, a lot of conferences, a lot of setups. But it is to be uh, systematically implemented, and they need to know that they need technologies to manage and scale it. So I do want to switch gears a little bit, but still talking about technology that helps makes firm that helps make firms more efficient. And that's AI, of course. Yes. Um, and I know you have a lot of expertise in uh, in AI and kind of how that's being adopted at firms or <clears> not, <throat> as the case may be. So, um, you know, what are you seeing in terms of how AI is evolving in the legal industry? 
Sure, absolutely. This is one of the most exciting things that has happened to me for the past few years because having like 20 plus years of experience in data management system, I'm an originally engineer, development, data warehousing, data management, data mining, all of that stuff, which is a foundation of the AI, and then combine it with all the issues I found with the legal industry. It was like, okay, finally, there is a light end of this tunnel. We can actually fix this thing. So take the virtual to the whole new level. Now getting it to the virtual that can learn, expand, implement, uh, above and beyond even virtual now. <clears throat> so the AI, I actually put out a book last uh, few months about how to scale your AI law practice. And uh, I explained in there, every aspect of the law practice who's going to get impacted with the AI. So uh, we have two types of law practice. We have transactional law and we have litigation law. Transactional law is described from being like immigration, bankruptcy, estate planning, um, uh, some level tax, real estate, corporate formation. These are all transactional. What that means is that, yes, you can use the attorney to do it for you, but you can also do it yourself. You can file for your own immigration status. You can file for your own bankruptcy. You can file your own divorce. You can file all of that yourself, but uh, attorneys can help. Well, that attorney can help is not going to be AI can help. Because what is that attorney does? It shares its experience and expertise with you on how to fill out an immigration form or a divorce form, right? AI is going to know more, have access to more data, more examples, and it continuously learning, which a lot of attorneys stop learning because they think they just know enough to do the job. So they stop learning. AI never stops. So it's just going to be the best version of a legal assistant, a legal attorney assistant to a client at zero or very little cost. So that's the biggest impact on transaction. And if whoever is not ready for it and is not getting in front of it, it's going to get left behind. In my opinion, in a matter of less than three years, 60-70% of transactional law is basically going to be left out there because the AI is going to take over it and do it for it. That's amazing. Now you come to litigation. Again, when you're litigating the case, yeah, I'm not, the litigation is, is sort of misrepresented in the industry. Filing a complaint is to me is not really litigation. It's the beginning of a process of something. Uh, before that, what happens? Again, we check all the case laws. You know, the good attorneys check the case laws do a lot of research, do a lot of discovery, collect a lot of information, they map it together, they create summaries, they uh, they draw conclusions, they look at all the court rulings in the past 20 years about similar cases, and they call that all lawyering, which it is. It is lawyering. But it's all about data and information and precedents and so forth. AI going to do all of that in 10 minutes. And it's going to go back 100 years instead of two years, you know, uh, and their conclusion is backed up with all the uh, information that is accurately exists in a variety of different data warehouses. So all of that preparation to go to litigation, to go to the discovery, to do depositions, to do mediations, to get prep for it, AI is going to be 90% more effective picking a jury. 
<clears throat> because there's a lot more access to data than the attorney does. But even picking a court to do it, or picking up a judge, or give you analysis of this judge, how is this judge has been ruling for past 30 years, what basically turns them on, what turns them off, what you should say, what you should not say. The AI is going to give you a whole recipe. It's almost like prepping you to go to a date where it's, it's, it's evaluated the entire history, family, profession, education of who you're about to go on a date with. And it gives you a full <laughs> a book about this person that you're going to on a date with. They're going to do it with the judge, with the jury, with the prosecutor. And that's the impact of the AI. And it's going to learn very fast. Having said that, it's not foolproof. It still needs supervision. It still needs regulation. You know, AI could be extremely dangerous if it's not regulated, managed, controlled. You can just unleash it on the society and hope for the best. Uh, so I'm very pro doing, I've never been pro any kind of restrictions, regulations, or anything like that. But in this case, I'm on the other side. It's like this thing needs to be controlled because it's a huge beast. It's good, it could be dangerous. And exactly. you can also learn the bad things and learn the wrong things. You know, people cannot assume that AI is a learning machine, but it's just going to learn good stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like having a kid that, that has great learning capabilities and Expecting that this kid is only learn good things. Well, no, you unleash it out there and they get some bad friends and they're going to get learn some really bad things. It's the same thing with AI. So you need to be careful. It needs to be supervised. It needs to be monitored. It needs to be corrected sometimes. But uh, the rest of the stuff before you get to that point, it can do it. It can do a better job, faster, cheaper, and all of that. So. Um... And before we wrap up, just, uh, you know, one more thing I want to touch on is, so what is the best way for um, firms to start employing that AI? You know, do sure. they, uh, you know, technology-wise, pe uh, people-wise, how, how do they best start doing that and forming policies around it? So the law firms, attorneys, need to be engaged with some sort of research of the AI. So they stick, they keep themselves informed, almost like people would do want to get into cryptocurrency. They can't just blindly jump in there and buy some. They need to know if this is for them, if they need to know what's going on, what regulation is going on, what technology is around it, where do I keep it, where do I save it? So they need to not ignore it, because if they ignore it, they're going to get left behind. They don't necessarily need to adopt anything so fast either because it's evolving and changing very rapidly. So don't buy into anything permanently. Don't subscribe to something permanently, but just do enough research so you know what's going on, who's doing it, what's new, what works, what is kind of BS stuff around it too. There is, you need to filter it. Yeah, and I think that with... I, like you said, it's something that's going to happen soon, but it's, but with how much it evolves, it, it's so hard to kind of see down the road. Um, and, you know, know exactly when that'll be or what it's going to look like. Sure. I, I, I do a comparison because I was there when the internet came about and uh, I was there when there were dot coms came about and all of that stuff. I was in the forefront of all this stuff in Silicon Valley when 
instead of cabling everything together, we actually use internet and Wi-Fi and all of this. Hmm. Uh, the in you have to compare it to before internet and after internet. What did internet do to businesses, societies, you know, social, all of that? What the internet did is the exact equivalent impact level with the AI. Life is not going to be the same on the other side. Once the AI is fully developed and implemented, which I'm giving it like three to five years, um, nothing going to be the same. You'll be talking to four people on the screen and you have no idea which one is real and which one is AI. Scary. <laughs> and they're going to talk 100 different languages from one person. And it's not like there's a, uh, uh, you can't tell. I've done some tests. I look at some AIs on the video side. And even myself knowing, I had to zoom in so much to to determine if this is a real person or is the AI person talking to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh... You know, as cool as it is, also disconcerting, I think. Very concerning. <clears throat> it could be amazing. It could be terrible, both all in the same time, in the same day. You could be benefit from it greatly today and basically get ruined tomorrow <laughs> from it. So you got to be very careful. Right. So uh, on that note, um, I want to thank you, Hamid, for being here and kind of giving us a look at, um, you know, what uh, the what's trending in terms of firm efficiencies and also uh, kind of giving us the overview of where AI is at at the moment. So uh, thanks so much for being here and I uh, hope we'll uh, be talking again soon. Great. Thank you, Justin. Looking forward to have the conversation again, maybe in a few months and see what has changed. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sure a lot will. Yes, it will. Be. <laughs> Uh, thanks to our uh, viewers and subscribers for tuning in. Uh, if you want to, uh, see more legal management talk, you can uh, check us out on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and uh, and you can also download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>